This is Becoming Her, a podcast for survivors of abuse or assault to share their stories. I'm your host, Emily Kemp, and I'll be having a conversation with a different survivor each week. I want to be sure to include a strong trigger warning with this podcast. The content we discuss includes topics related to violence. Listener discretion is advised. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Welcome to Becoming Her, our podcast. Um, We're so thankful that you're here. And um, if you want to just take a second and kind of like introduce yourself and just talk about who you are and what you do, where you're from. Yeah. uh, My name is Bella. I'm from Bozeman. I am a barista. Real exciting work. Um, Um, Oh, hold on. Don't don't talk about it like that. Everybody needs their coffee. Right. (laughs) I am a lifesaver. I support people early in the mornings, you know. Uh, the pre-bartender of the day. Um, I have a dog. Yay! <laughs> um, That's essential information for yeah. all of us, no. <laughs> uh, I'm not all that exciting. I don't, I don't know. I think you're very exciting. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Um, so I think the, the best place to start um, is to just talk about your relationship and where kind of it all began. Yeah. Um, so the listeners, I think, kind of have a little bit of context at this point as to what the podcast is all about. And right. so if you can just kind of like dive right in. Yeah. Okay. So I met my ex in October of 2014. I was 16 and I got my first job at a bakery and it was behind a kitchen, uh, like a restaurant in Bozeman. And I was like super pumped. I felt super independent. I got my first job. And my ex was the manager of the kitchen that I worked behind. And so our relationship started out pretty friendly. We didn't really talk much. I was actually really scared of him. Hmm. I had, he was, he was mean. Like he would say really mean things to everyone at work. He would tease me about my hair and I was intimidated by him. And I remember like I was attracted to him, but I had this gut feeling that was like, this guy is a creep stay away from him like he's not good news for you like I remember my mom used to joke because I'd come home and I would I mean I was 16 I had had like two boyfriends at this point I was pretty naive about the world and I'd come home and be like oh my god like my coworker who's 30 today told me I had a nice ass like how do I respond to this mm. and me and my mom would joke about how like the shirt that I should wear to work should say jailbait because I was so young and mm. like men shouldn't be treating me like that and to me or any or anybody really really, especially at work I mean and my dad had like another approach to it he was like no you work in a kitchen like this is what you're gonna get like you give it back and so then that kind of changed my mindset and I started becoming friends with a lot of the people and I made it a goal of mine to like befriend Adam because I don't know what it was about him but I was so drawn to him but at the same time I was like uh he's mm-hmm. a creep like leave him alone and so I remember the first day that we ever like really interacted and he was rolling a joint in the back of the kitchen and I mean I was kind of like oh like are you supposed to do that mm-hmm. like oh this is real bad boy over yeah. here you know smoking weed and all that um and he gave me weed and he was like oh here take this tell me what you think like I grew it in my house and so I like went home and like smoked it in my bedroom like (laughs) and came back the next day and I was like wow thank you so much like cool like we're friends and he gave me his number and I remember sitting in my car and being like don't text him Mm. like you can get weed from other people 
like don't and about an hour later I got a number like I got a text from him and he had gotten my number from another coworker. And it started off just, like, texting back and forth, him being, like, oh, like, I see so much of myself in you. Like, when I was your age, like, I want to be a mentor to you. I knew I had a girlfriend at that point, so I was, like, okay, cool. Like, this guy is just going to be my friend. And within, like, less than a week, it flipped to something, like, super sexual. Like, and at that point, I was already seeing red flags and, Mm -hmm. like, seeing, like, this is making me uncomfortable. I don't want to sleep with somebody that has a girlfriend, I don't want to have this relationship with this person. And I ended up sleeping with him. And then it, I actually slept with him in the kitchen after they had closed. Um, And I, it uh, was shitty. And I felt so bad about it. Mm -hmm. And I remember he dropped me off at home that night. And my dad was like, why are you home at 2 a.m.? Like, you're drunk right now. Like, who the hell were you with? And he went through my phone and saw messages from Adam and texted Adam and was like, leave my 16-year-old daughter alone. And so I thought at that point, like, he would be done with me. Like, my dad spoke to him and, like, scared him off. And then he just came at me, like, hard. <laughs> like, mm. really hard. And we were super flirty. And I thought it was all fun. And, like, that's kind of how our relationship started. And it, like, I never saw myself having a serious relationship with him. And then in 2015 in April I went to a frat party and I was raped at the party and for some reason that night when I was leaving I um my parents were out of town I had stolen their car like I was like I'm gonna get in trouble if I tell anyone I didn't have any friends I was like call Adam and I did and he didn't answer and so I like went home and dealt with that in my own way and the next day he was like meet me at the Hoff, like, let's grab drinks, like, tell me why you called me last night, and I ended up just telling him, like, hey, I went to a party, and something shitty happened, and, like, I don't really want to talk about it, and from that point on, our relationship was completely different. Mm -hmm. It was, like, I'm your savior, like, me and you are going to get through this alone, like, don't tell anybody about what happened to you, like, I'm the only one that will understand this, like, I can help you. It's like he could, he could like sense your vulnerability yeah, in that exactly. moment. And, and it's really common, actually. I've spoken with a lot of survivors in my career as an advocate, and a lot of them talk about how their abusers sort of found them up on the other side of a really traumatic incident, whether that was sexual assault or like some sort of death in the family or something traumatic right. where they were feeling super vulnerable. That person, that other person can like pick up on that. Right. And then like take advantage of it. Yeah. Like even when our relationship, started getting more serious and it was like I started even though I was still living at home and like I still was checking in with him being like hey I got off work like I just got home I'm staying in for the night and he'd be like okay good like let me know if your plans change and it just started increasing Mm -hmm. to the point where like I thought that we were in a committed relationship while he was living with his girlfriend like that's how manipulated my mind was Mm -hmm. um And you were also so young. I was so young. Nobody really knows what they're doing when they're 16 anyway. And he was so much older than you. He was a lot older. experienced than you. And to me, it was like I had so much guilt. Like I would cry every night and be like, I am the worst person in the world. Like he just left me and now he's going home to her. Mm. And like I hated it. And I wanted to tell her so badly because I thought that then he would hate me and leave me alone. And like even in that moment, like I still didn't want to be with him. But I felt not even trapped because like at that point I I really had no ties to him like if I wanted to I could have been like I'm done Mm -hmm. and I didn't and I don't know I don't know why I didn't I didn't know why I felt like I had to stay 
Because he had been sort of grooming you to feel that way. Exactly. A lot of people who do that, who choose to control another human being, they sort of like, they know what those person's weaknesses are. They sort of know how to exploit that person. I think in the moment, it's really hard to understand, like, why am I doing this? But it's really because of the manipulation of another person. Right. And so then in July, I moved in with him. What had happened was his girlfriend that he was with had actually left him and got a restraining order against him. And at that point, I was like, okay, like, I always had a bad feeling about him, but, like, why am I moving in with somebody that's ex-girlfriend literally got a restraining order while we were living together? And at that point, I was like, I am fucked. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew it at that point. And I was like, okay, well, I got kicked out of my parents' house. I'm 17. And I'm living in a trailer with this piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And I can't leave. And I had no family. Like, he ruined my relationship with my parents at that point. I had no friends. And it was just him. And it was horrible. Like, we slept on the ground in his house for a month because he was too lazy to go to the storage unit to get his stuff out. He, (laughs) with the first month, no, it was the first week that we lived together, um, he actually brought home a girl from the bar. While you were home. While I was home. Um, And... (laughs) <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at this, but he comes in super drunk and is like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I live here. Like, I am your girlfriend. And the girl's like, who are you? And I'm like, can I drive you home? Oh, and no. I, she actually ended up, like, going over to my neighbors and, like, hanging out with them. But, um, like, red flags everywhere. Sure. Like, no respect, no... Like, he didn't even acknowledge that we were in a relationship, but if I had ever tried to even talk to another guy at that point, it would have been, like, the end of the world. It sounds very one-sided. It was so one-sided. Our entire relationship was his way or that's it. Like, there there was no say in anything. Um, And it just, like, from when we moved in together, like, it was no longer fun. It was no longer, like, we're sneaking around and having a good time and, like, partying together. It was... Like, you get off work, you make me dinner, you clean the house, you take care of everything, and I'll come home when I want to. Mm. And, like, that's how it is. And that's how it was for almost a year and a half before I left for the first time. Um, What was that leaving process like for you? It was really fast. So our relationship had always been really mentally and verbally abusive, but I had been wanting to leave for a while. And finally, one night we got in a big fight and I was like, I'm done with you. I'm moving out. Like, screw you. And I went out with one of his friends, actually. And me and her went to the bar and I got pretty drunk and ended up blacking out at some point. And one of Adam's friends took me home and, like, put me to bed. Well, the next day he dropped. Back at your house with Adam? No, at at his house. Gotcha. Um, Adam had actually shown up at the bar that night screaming at me, trying to grab me, trying to take my car keys away from me. At that point, um, Adam's friend was like, no way, like, I'm taking her home, like, you guys can work it out tomorrow. And so he dropped me off probably, like, 6 a.m., and Adam had been drinking all night and was, like, still drunk in the morning, and that was the first time he ever got, like, physical with me. And what happened was he grabbed my head and smashed my face into the doorframe and then proceeded to choke me and rape me on the floor, Um, and after that I was, like, done. Um, I left my car there, and he broke into my car, smashed a bunch of stuff, broke my mirrors off, broke all my heating vents, like, just really stupid, petty things to break. I think he messed with my actual brakes as well, but I 
it's hard to prove hard, hard to prove yeah. um so I went home and I told my parents and I was like this is what happened like I need to leave sure it sounds like it got like scary enough yeah that at that point you were like okay, right and he I mean- had I mean there had been instances where he'd gotten too violent during sex before or like shoved me really hard or like thrown something at me but he'd never like done anything Outright, like that yeah kind of assaulted and you so in that way. sure at that moment I was like no like I'm done and I actually moved to New York the next day I packed everything up in my car <laughs> and drove all the way to New York and I lived there for like four months um who were you staying with in New York I lived with my aunt okay. in New York and, and I did she know what was going on yeah um so I told her I ca- she was like one of the first people I called and I was like hey can I come live with you and she's like what <laughs> and she's like yeah and I was like all right wow I'm, I'm leaving today awesome. and she was like cool I'll see you Thanks, soon aunt. <laughs> yeah right oh like, my god it was awesome <laughs> and I loved New York and then um I just I was still in communication with Adam at that point and like he was trying so hard to get me to come back and not even like to be in a relationship with me but just to be like come back to Bozeman like this is your home like all of our friends are here like it's safe for you now like we don't even have to date like we can just be friends and for some reason I was like okay and I stopped in Chicago and actually met with his ex-girlfriend and at that point I was like no way in hell am I going back to him like I hate him so much at that like oh man it was like the most anger I'd ever felt after knowing what she had gone through and what he had done to both of us, I it was livid. Like, I went back to Bozeman and I was like, I'm never talking to him again. And then, of course, I did. Um, he called me and was begging and begging and threatening to kill himself. And so I was like, all right, like, I'll meet with you. We can talk. And he seemed like he completely changed. He was so calm. He told me he was working out and not drinking anymore, not doing drugs and, like, getting his life together. And, like, he was it going to try to date me like we could just be friends and I was like perfect like this is what I want like this is all it's, I ever wanted from it's you. interesting to me that he knew that he had to like incrementally creep back in yeah there was never going to be some sort of like moment where right you all just sort of like jumped back into things together right that it and, was like oh no let's just get coffee right and then, like how far could he sort of like manipulate from there yeah and so for a few weeks we were just friends and we'd hang out occasionally and text and I actually started seeing somebody else and ended up spending the night at that person's house and then one of Adam's friends came by in the morning and saw me there and called Adam told Adam like oh Bella's at so-and-so's house like I think they're hooking up like just thought you should know for whatever reason right (laughs) um and so he called me that day and was like hey let's go watch football and that was something we always loved to do together. Interesting. So he didn't even respond with anger. No. Was, he was, like, okay. very calm. Like, oh, good for you. Like, let's go get drinks. And I was like, sweet. Like, awesome. That sounds like so much fun. We go to a bar. I had had way too many drinks. And right before the end of the game, he proposed in front of the entire restaurant. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, okay. And, I mean, I was eight, 19, 18 at the time. I was... Like, uh, how do I turn this down? He's wasted. I'm wasted. Also, public it's, proposals it, it, put a lot of pressure yeah, on the individual. Because if you had said no, everyone Everybody else in the like, bar would be like, boo. Uh, yeah. And like, what was uncomfy. he going to do yeah. if I said no? You, you were kind of stuck. Yeah, it, it definitely yeah. felt stuck. I wasn't even living with him at that right. point. Like, you were also inebriated. Yeah, I was so. also wasted. Um, it sucked. And so then we like go back to his house 
and I start crying and I'm like, this was a really bad idea. Like, this is not a good Tried idea. to take it back. Right. Like, we shouldn't do this. And he's like, no, this is what we need to do. Like, this is what we need to do. Like, I'll get therapy. Like, I'm going to stop drinking. Like, we can have this wedding together. Like, I'm going to show you that I can be the person you want me to be. And at that point, I was just like, all right, like, why not? Like, let's see how this goes. For whatever reason, I have no idea why I said that. And, like, I don't know why I said yes or ever went through with it because I always knew that it was going to end horribly. Sure. Like, I never, even when we were getting married, like, there was no thought in my mind, like, this is my happy ever after. Like, this is going to be my husband. There is, like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go through with this until he kills me or kills himself or whatever but i can imagine too first you know first of all you're really young second of all you're you're back in your hometown after being isolated from everyone that you know your friends your family you sort of know that he's like watching you anyway or trying to get his hooks back in yeah so you're constantly walking around with your you know looking over your shoulder and i i what kind of resonates with me when i hear that is like keep your friends close but your enemies closer yeah it's almost easier if you sort of know exactly what that person is up to rather than trying to stay away from them and being in constant fear right and that I think that was like my mindset also it's like okay well maybe I can kind of ease him for a while like maybe we can get married and I can play the role and like maybe I won't be endangered then right or and I think a little bit of me like thought because I always wanted commitment from him right and he would never give that to me before it was like he would introduce me as his roommate to people and I'd be like all right we've been dating for two years now like how are you serious like, right so he sort of gave you right what he, he gave knew me what, what he, he yeah exactly yeah. so he was like all right I can be this picture perfect husband for you we can have this life together like which just goes to show that abusive people know exactly what it is that you're looking for and they know how to manipulate it yeah you know what I mean they know how to um take advantage of that yeah he's always known that you wanted that level of commitment yeah and when he felt like he was losing you what did he do he jumped to the place where he knew he could get you yeah and he went like above and beyond too because it was like I never when I was 18 I wasn't baking for a marriage like I wasn't like oh my gosh I want to get married right now it was just like I want something real with you i want to be able i want to you to not you. introduce me as your yeah, roommate because we live together yeah, i or want bring you to not bring people. girls home right. while we're dating like that's all i want but he so much he took it as like the biggest step he could make and he did that and so of course i have no one to invite like they're to the wedding like my parents wouldn't have gone my sister wouldn't have gone i had no friends at that point because like friends would tell me he's a piece of shit you should leave and so i couldn't keep any friends Because, like, nobody wants to be friends with somebody that's constantly going through emotional and physical abuse and being like, oh, this sucks, when it's so easy to everyone on the outside to be like, just leave. Right. Which I never did. And so I think I pushed people away because, one, I didn't want them to see or they had seen and I didn't want them to tell me to leave. There's a level of, like, shame there. Yeah, there's a lot of shame there. Um, And so in March of 2018, we got married. Um, and we eloped, we went to Jackson and I, uh, woke up that morning and grabbed a bottle of vodka and locked myself in the bathroom and cried for like four hours. Um, and then I put the dress on and we had the ceremony and I was just like, this is it. Like, this is my life now. Like, how am I ever going to back out? Mm. Like, I felt so trapped at that moment. Like I felt trapped before, like when we were living together and stuff, but like 
Now everybody knows now that we're married. married. Now we're married. Like that's, everybody knows. That's and, the next level. Yeah. yeah. And people were taking bets on uh, how long it would last. I have like a few friends actually that are like bought me drinks a while back. They're like, actually, we won this money on the wedding bet. And I was like, sweet. Like, okay, thank you. For- let's go out to the bars then. You guys can get me a drink. Like, <laughs> True thank friends. you for that. Yeah. Um, and so we were married for about nine months. And honestly, the first few months of the relationship were like after we got married, we're pretty good. Like he worked really hard to be the person that I wanted him to be. And I could tell that he was working really hard on that. That being said, he was also not himself because he's not capable of being that person. Sure. And so there's always that like little voice in the back of my head that's like, all right, like how much longer is this going to last? And I really hoped it would just be forever. Like I hoped that like our marriage would be a happy, healthy one. And I think a lot of people in your position who've experienced, like, abuse at the hands of someone they love have felt that way at some point because it's not always bad. Right. There are good times that they're not, like, people who abuse are not one-dimensional pieces of paper. They're not monsters, right? They're multidimensional. Well, I call them a monster, but that's just my personal (laughs) opinion. That is fair. (laughs) But I Um, also think, like, they're capable of expressing other things besides just that, that you know, just abuse. Right. 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 And so you as someone who loves them and trusts them and is hoping for things to get better when they can show you another side. Right. It's really easy to hope, Okay, well, maybe this time it'll last or maybe they can change or maybe it'll get better. Exactly. And I mean, I thought, okay, so he made this huge gesture to me. Like that's him showing me that he's He's trying. He's trying. And um, I was so stressed about the wedding. I gained like 10 pounds. Um. Then after we got married, I proceeded to lose over 40 pounds and I got really sick. And then that became like the issue in our relationship where it was like, you're killing yourself and you're disgusting and I hate the way you look and you're gross. And so he was wrong against you. you too. Yeah. So then it became that was huge at the end of our relationship. So you couldn't even talk about his problems because it was all your problems. It was all my problems. I was like, all right, well, I haven't seen you in three days because you've been at the scoop every night. And he'd be like, well, you lost another pound. How am I supposed to come home to you? And stuff like that. And so it got, like, it proceeded to get super, uh, just got worse. Like, it just got so much worse than I ever thought it would get. And it it started to be, like, he would be physical with me at least once a week. And in the beginning of our relationship, like, he was never physical. And the times that he was, it was, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I was just super drunk. Like, I would never do that again to you. Like, I'm that's not who I am. Like, you know me, I would never do this. Like, and like, he wouldn't even get me gifts or anything to that extent because he never cared that much to actually put any effort in. It was just like the words were enough to make me be like, okay, like I forgive you. And at the end of the relationship, he would like, there's one instance where I, uh, I cooked dinner wrong. Like I didn't add enough cumin to something big deal. How Uh, dare you? And he was like really upset at me. And I, told him to fuck off I was like if you want it done then like do it yourself and like I barely ever spoke back to him because I was scared of him right and he grabbed a candle and threw it at my face across the room and hit me in the face and like at that moment it like resonated with me it was like I didn't do some horrible thing like I not this that any cumin right nobody is ever asking to get hit but like the fact that you would throw a glass candle at my face because I cooked your dinner wrong like what am I doing Like, why am I putting myself in this relationship? Like, any other normal person would be like, thank you for cooking me dinner. Right. Not like I'm going to abuse you because you did it wrong. Right. 
or like Stevie was a better cook than you. So like, why can't you do it like her? And so <laughs> let me time out here for a second. So you just like name dropped. Sorry. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No, I think this is an important point, And I, you've referenced that yeah. you had been in touch with one of his ex-girlfriends at various points in your right. process of leaving and that kind of thing. And so who is Stevie? Stevie is the amazing founder of We Are Her. Um, she is Adam's girlfriend before me. Um, so you both have him in common as yeah. your ex-abuser. Yep. Yep. So we share that lovely factor of our lives. Um, but she's awesome and a good thing I got out of that relationship, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was a huge tension in our relationship was her because he would speak so highly of her, which mm. is ridiculous since she got a restraining order and created a nonprofit against him. And <laughs> like, but he would speak of her like, why can't you be more like her? Like she would never backtalk me or mm. she wouldn't have stayed out that late that night or she wouldn't have worn shorts that short. Mm. And to me, I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm not her. Right. Like, first of all, I'm not her. So don't compare me. And second of all, like, she hates your guts. Right. She's like, she's like why do you want me why do you want me to be like her like I'm not I'm not um so it was definitely a point of contention it it was and then there's like the whole stressor in our relationship when she was getting the restraining order against him of him being like I never touched her and me being like well you hit me last week so how am I supposed to really believe that you never also right exactly so she would and it got to a point at the end of our relationship where he would like want to talk about her and like trash her and I would I wouldn't engage and I'd be like I don't really have anything negative to say about her I'd be like well you're my wife like you have to hate her too mm. like, I don't though right so it sounds like in general including this other factor things were sort of just like coming to a head for you personally. yeah no definitely it um I think seeing how I started treating myself after I came back from New York and like developing an eating disorder and then the fact that, like, Stevie moved back to Bozeman and she has a boyfriend and we saw her in public and she's happy and she's mm-hmm. laughing and she's having a good time and she's, like, I don't know her healing process. So I'm not going to say that she's, like, fully recovered from that. But, like, she has a good life now. Right. And I saw that. And you got I, to see it. I got to see that firsthand. You saw it modeled and, for you. And I was seeing that while I was sitting next to him being, like, I hate your guts. Mm. Like, oh, my God, I dream about murdering you, like, every night. Like, you suck so much as a person. And, like, I could have a better life. Right. Like, I don't deserve to be treated like this. And I think that's – I finally was just, like, I'm done. You hit your your breaking point. I hit my breaking point, and I decided in November that I was going to leave. And so I started kind of planning it out in my head and, like, putting money aside and talking to people about leaving. Um, And about a week before we left, we went and got a Christmas tree together, and we're driving up Bear Canyon. And (laughs) he turns to me and says, like, look at that hillside. And I, like, look out the window. I'm like, what? And he's like, I dug your hole out there. Oh my I was gosh. like, what are you talking about? He's like, when you leave me, I'm going to bury you out there. Like, Damn. we were, like, going to get a Christmas tree together. He didn't even know I was leaving at that well, point. Well, it sounds like he made, like, Maybe. subconsciously there was something there that right. was telling him, like, you know, that you were on thin ice with him. Right. And that he was trying to escalate the violence and scare you bad enough that yeah. you wouldn't leave because he was suspecting. And I think that's what it was. I think yeah. in... You know, and which I, is also really common when abusive people feel like they're losing power and control. That's most often when they will escalate. Right. So, you know, things like stalking and extreme violence and even yeah. homicide, those things usually happen 
after a survivor has left the abusive relationship or like in the process of leaving. So that is a really dangerous time. And I think most people, whether they can articulate it or not, they can intuit that that's a dangerous time. Yeah. And I definitely like I think that he kind of felt like I was going to leave and we had been having like a lot of issues. We were fighting constantly. We hadn't Mm. had sex in like two months at this point. And um, I think that we both just knew like it was coming to an end. And so finally. I uh I get home from work. No, actually I I met you and Stevie Hey-o. for coffee and I was like, "All right, this is what's going to go down. Like Here's I'm leaving tonight." Yeah. And Which so, was shocking for me yeah. as as a spectator, by the way. I don't know if you know this like from my my right. perspective, but I remember being like, "I don't know how this conversation's going to go." And you watched and you were like, "I'm leaving tonight." And I was like, "Bad ass." I was so I don't know how to help you. Like, you tell me how to help you, yeah. but like, fuck yeah. Yeah. She's doing it yeah. right now. I was like, I'm, I was scared, but I was also right. like, "Damn." So she's the night doing before it. I had met you guys, I'd actually told Adam I was leaving. I guess I had that backwards, and it was the worst night of my mm. life. We screamed at each other for probably 12 hours straight. Like, he told me the reason that he stopped wanting to have sex with me was because I was raped and it Mm. made me damaged goods to him and that I was, like, permanently gross. He used the word gross to describe me because of that. And at that point, I was like, all right, I know that that's not true. But he knew that that was, like, a weakness. He knew that that was the absolute worst thing that he could possibly have ever said to me. And he was trying to hurt you as much as he could. He told me that uh, the reason that our relationship was failing was because I was on my phone too much. And just, like, a bunch of just bullshit just grasping at just straws. total bullshit and i was yeah. and i knew that he wouldn't he would either kill me or he would leave me alone because he wouldn't touch me because he knew i was leaving mm-hmm. and he knew that like he couldn't leave a mark on me um so part of me was like he's actually gonna either murder me or like this is gonna be the first fight we have where he doesn't try to like do something mm-hmm. um and i remember one point in the night he has this like super insecurity about me sleeping with all of his friends which never slept with any of his friends. He doesn't have friends, but um, still not sleeping with the ones that he thinks are his friends. Um, not that I need to, even if I was, I don't care. But right, right. Like, it doesn't, that's irrelevant. It, yeah, it's to irrelevant. His, his and he told me that if I ever started dating somebody in Bozeman, that he would murder me and murder them. And he said it to me and like, looked me dead in the eyes. And I was like, that's true. Mm. Like, you are capable of that. And like, there's one point in the night where we were just like screaming and he was like, I'm going to kill you and kill myself right now. And at that point, I was like, do it, like, do it, <laughs> like, right. shoot me, like, get it over with, like, make all of this stop and make it stop for anybody else that's going to be after me. Because like, and there is a connection between homicides and suicides right. when it comes to domestic violence. Yeah. So it's really common for part like abusive partners to kill their partner and then themselves. Yeah. It's like the ultimate. Okay. Well, if I can't have you, then nobody will. I'm gonna end it all. Like, yeah. Like no one has power then. Right. And uh, there was a lot of points in our relationship where I wanted him to do that. Mm. Like I wanted to be out, and I didn't care how, and I wanted him to never hurt someone else again. Mm. And I was like, well, this is the best case scenario, and. Granted, it's not, and I see that now, and I'm right. really happy that I moment, got out alive. But in the moment, it's right. like, please just do it. Right. Like, please kill me. Like, go ahead. Like, I'm done fighting just at this point. Just out of that place yeah. of desperation. Yeah, and so I moved out, and I left, and like, that... What is... Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Like, like, time out. Congratulations. <laughs> <Thank> you. <Woo. sighs> okay. It's so been, here you are. Yeah, so here I am. It's been challenging, but really good it's it's weird it's like the last four years I spent most of my time with somebody and now 
I'm alone. And not just, not just like any four years. Right. Like really, really formative, important four years. And it's weird. It's like I. 16 to 20 is a big chunk of That's like the time I'm supposed to like find out who I am and like what I like. And now I'm at this weird point where I feel like I'm 50 and I go to bed at 830. (laughs) I have a wise soul and I'm trying to like have fun again and do things that 20 year olds do. Right. And it's like I'm going out and I'm having fun and I'm going to bars and I'm hanging out with friends and like I'm doing things that I would have never ever been allowed to do in my relationship. Right. And it's great. And I love it. And I'm having the time of my life. As you should be. Yeah. And um, And I think for a lot of survivors, too, like, they come out of these relationships and they haven't been allowed to make choices for themselves. Yeah. They haven't been allowed to have fun. They haven't been allowed to be their own person or to, like, figure out what they like or just, like, have any choices in their own life. And then you just kind of, like, pop out on the other side. Yeah. Shit. Now what? Yeah, exactly. And so I, when I first moved out, I moved in with a roommate and I only lived there for like a month but within that month it was like like hey like I'm going to the bathroom (laughs) or like hey is it okay if I go to the grocery store right now Mm. and he was really cool about all of it like he's a great friend and everything and he would just be like yep don't need permission like you can do whatever you want like you're an adult you're an adult like you can make the decision to not eat for three days and then eat four Domino's pizzas like that's fine that's your choice like right. if you want to go out and not come home if you want to go to the bathroom if you want to go to the bathroom store, that's fine like, don't you need don't to ask need my permission my, yeah, yeah exactly and so like that was the hardest part was like breaking that habit afterwards mm. and even now sometimes I'll be like oh like this person asked me to dinner like is that okay is that so all like right? the little voice yeah it's the Adam that's voice kind of, I right, call it yeah right. that's kind of telling you otherwise yeah no it, and it's like well or even when I'm wearing clothes or something, like, I'll, like, get dressed and I'll hear that, like, little voice in my head that's like, well, what kind of attraction are you looking for if you wear this? Right. And I'll just be like, shut the fuck up. I look hot as hell. I can wear whatever the fuck yeah. I want. Like, I, I I, don't have to ask anybody for permission and I don't need anybody's permission to right. do things anymore. So is and his voice, like, becoming smaller? Do you feel like proportionately you're I finding so. yours more? Yeah. I think, I think that the more I acknowledge it and the more I'm like shut the fuck up yeah helps yep. and i i've caught myself doing it at the grocery store like out loud um my therapist actually like told me to like verbally be like shut the fuck up yeah and so i've been at the grocery store and i've been like should i get this soda or this one and in the back of my head's like oh well you don't need diet soda you're already too skinny and i'll be like shut the fuck up people are like, like look me? over and i'm just like sorry like no it's just like it's just the covering, voices in my head like, yeah, right. <laughs> covering their kids ears yeah, right. you're like no 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 just never mind nope, nope, <laughs> fine. Good. Good. um so i know that you're like new you're very new in your healing journey which yeah. is super exciting probably a little scary but what has that felt like for you or like where do you kind of foresee that healing journey going from here i think it I mean, I'll be honest right now. I have used some unhealthy coping mechanisms sure. the past Which few months. Which is also months. really common. Yeah. For and so mostly right now I'm trying to work on cutting back on those um, and finding healthier ways to cope. And I've been doing a really good job at that. And I'm getting back into running and doing yoga and cooking for myself and doing things that I enjoy. And that's been really healing. And on I know its you own. live by yourself right I now do. too. Is that um, fun? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it is fun. Um, I don't have to do anyone's dishes. I don't have to pick up people's socks or do their laundry or like worry about anybody coming and going. Like that's great. But I also realize that like 
it's scary too. Mm. It, it, it's hard to live on your own because at any moment he could show up. Sure. And so it's over, but it's not like over. Right, exactly. And so I still have fear. Um, there'll be like times when I go out in public and I'll see him and it's like I have a panic attack. Right. Or I'll see cars that look like his cars and I'll be like, oh, gotta make this right, right now. And then I'll be like, okay, that's not even the same brand of car. Right. Or make, whatever. Sure. Um, and so that's hard, but I feel like that's somewhat going away. Sure. Um, I'm not sure if that will ever go away, though. Right. Like, I feel like that kind of fear is, like, permanently built into me at this point. And I hope in the future that I'll be able to, like, go to bed without checking my lock six times or, right. like, making sure nobody's in my shower when I get home right. or, like, stuff like that. Like, I... Which, can I just say, is, like, so unfair. Yeah. It's so unfair that it you have to be the one who have, who's gone through the experience. You're from here. Yeah, this is this my is hometown. This is your hometown, yeah. and you have to constantly be like checking to make sure that you're safe yeah and really it's this other person it's adam who needs to get out of dodge yeah no uh yeah no he and bozeman's a big small town it is it's not that big it is i mean it's it's very hard to get away from somebody like him yeah there's only so many places you can go and the amount of girls that have like told me that they've slept with him when we were married and stuff Mm. it's like that's one of the hardest things is like hearing about him constantly right and it's, can't get away from I can't him. get away from it. And a lot of it is and not even necessarily like my friends, but like I'll be at the bar and people come up to me and they'll be like, where's Adam? Like not knowing. Sure. And I'll be like, I don't fucking know. Right. They'll be like, oh, aren't you married? And I'll be like, nope. Right. And everybody like, and like, there's the a normal question to ask is like, oh, gosh, like what happened? Right. And it's really but then hard. then do you want to relive right. all of that right there in the moment? Right. Or, like yeah. I don't want to. And so that's been really hard, too, is just the amount of people who know us and know him and it it's it's a weird situation of like what friends can I trust sure. which friends are still friends with him and honestly he's lost a lot of friends which just made my life a lot easier right um yeah. but there's still there's still that fear of like something that I say is going to get back to him and sure. it's going to piss him off or I'm going to see him in public and be trapped somehow and like so it's hard to still want to like go out and I'm kind of forcing myself to like go to shows and stuff even if he is going to be there because you're right like this is my hometown these are you my have friends a right to this live is, your life i have a right to be wherever the right. fuck i want to be and like he has no right to tell me where i can and can't go right. or, and intimidate me into not being in places um so and I, I hear that you're yeah. afraid but i also hear that you're like badass and yeah super strong you'll be like i'm really afraid but also i'm gonna go where i want to yeah. fucking go and yeah I'm like, exactly right, yeah and so it sounds like you're finding that yeah and i'm getting a lot better at it it's like i have a lot of friends so i try not to go anywhere alone right um so take safety, safety and numbers yeah, yeah and that's helpful too and having i have a really great support group in my life right now and i have a really good community that i've built around myself um that helps a lot in knowing that, like, if I was scared, I could call Stevie and Stevie would be like, what's up? Let's right. do something about this. Like, let me help you. Or, like, my parents are there for me now, which is great. And it it is really nice being back home, and I love Bozeman. But it, it's, it's hard living in the same town as him, for yeah, sure. absolutely. What would you say is kind of, like, the top things that you do for yourself right now, for self-care and for kind of, like, Finding your own power again and feeling safe. Um, I think having a really set schedule for myself has been super helpful. Mm, um, interesting. Like I wake up at the same time every day. I make myself eat breakfast every day. 
I take my dog on a walk at the same time every day. And so doing stuff like that has been really helpful. Like setting a really good routine in my life makes it feel a lot more stable. Um, I don't know if that's really no. That's actually no, 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 no. That's more than a right answer. That's like really, really interesting and poignant. And I think it shows people that like you don't have to do a whole lot. Right. You can do really simple things to try and achieve some semblance of safety. Yeah. That's so. Yeah. I I got bear mace. I I have. I literally have pepper spray for my car, pepper spray from walking back and forth from my car. I have mace that's by my bed. I have mace that's in my bathroom. Like, <laughs> You're all I am like out. All, I got decked. all of it. Like, decked to I the am nines super pepper mace. sprayed out. That helps me feel safe. I don't yeah. really want a gun because like, I don't feel right. comfortable with right, one. Um, but pepper spray helps. Um, my dog helps me a bunch. Awesome. Um, knowing that if anybody tried to mess with me, he would not be okay with dogs it dogs are the best yeah definitely. and i'm sure just like not being physically alone in your space yeah and having this little creature that loves you unconditionally and right is like your little partner yeah exactly and it's like charlie went to new york with me and like i've always had charlie with me like sure. he is my rock oh. and um from one dog mom to another yeah i'm getting like, emotional oh. <laughs> yeah, um yeah, but yeah. like he he has been there for me always and he you know he'll sleep in the bed with me at night and let me just like totally smother him and He's fine with it. Like, he's up for whatever, always. Like, he's great. And that's been super... Because it, it does get lonely. It's like when you're married to somebody or even living with somebody, you get so used to having right. having a partner and having somebody that you sleep next to and somebody that you take care of. And, like, as unhealthy as it may be, like, you're still used to that pattern right. of life. And then you go to, like, living on your own where it's like, shit, I could drink this entire bottle of vodka by myself tonight. And, like, that... Like nobody's no gonna stop, to stop you, me. yeah. And this so, newfound power, right? This newfound power of just getting wasted by myself is really fun. Um, <laughs> so working on not doing that as sure. much, but yeah, I mean, I think there's ups and downs, a lot more ups than downs. So good, yeah. Um, I kind of want to, yeah, just just wrap up with asking if you could give any advice or just any words of wisdom to any survivor who might be listening to this podcast like what would you want them to hear uh one adult men should never date teenagers uh two trust your gut because I didn't Mm -hmm. like I had so many red flags and like even like I don't think that feeling ever went away with him Mm -hmm. like that gut feeling of just like oh this is awful and this is like he's a bad person like that never went away ever like I don't Mm -hmm. think there was even like in our best times together there was always still that insecurity about who he was as a person and I wish that you know that first day he texted me I would have texted him back and been like fuck off right because I feel like my life would have been a lot different but I don't get to go back and relive that um or change the decisions but in the future if somebody rubs me the wrong way or like I get a bad feeling like I'm not gonna ignore that ever again good um I think that's really important yeah I think it is really important and I tell that to survivors all the time yeah listen to your guts yeah listen to your instincts you know this person better than anybody and you know what they're capable of more than anybody else and so it's really easy to tell yourself you're being crazy or overreacting right and I I think that that was a lot of it was he was really good at convincing me that my recollection of something was wrong right. or that I was overreacting to things and in all honesty I should have reacted a hundred times harder than I ever did with right. him um and I never over exaggerated anything that he did if anything I made it smaller than it was and I think just really trusting my gut is going to be huge for me in the future yep 
and, and not minimizing that. that gut. Yeah, exactly. So here you are finding your power, yeah. finding your voice, making choices for yourself. It's only up from here. Yeah, definitely. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be like this perfect up. I'm well, sure that's there will what be I'm banking on. So yeah. you're kind of crushing my dreams here. So sorry. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. If you look at that kind of trajectory over time, yeah. whether there are downs, it will still be up and up. Yeah, and, up. and I, I don't think I could ever. I mean, I should knock on wood now, but like, I don't think that my life could get worse than it was when I was with Adam. Mm. And I think I could. I, I feel stronger than I ever have because if I lived through that relationship then I really can get through anything hell yeah because that was the worst thing that has ever happened to me and now I'm done with it and I can move on and not let it affect me anymore awesome well that's all of the questions that I have so unless there's anything else that you really feel like you want to share not really yeah awesome thank you so much thank you for having me yeah high five we hope you enjoyed the podcast Be sure to subscribe and don't forget to check out our online community at weareher.net. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse or assault, you can always call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233.